Hello and welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. I'm your host, Bill Banton, along with me on this journey back to the 80s, my co-host, Jason Masek. Hello, Jason. Bill, chicks dig me. Because I rarely wear underwear, and when I do, it's usually something unusual. That's right, listeners. Today we'll be discussing the 1981 military comedy, Stripes. Starring Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, Sean Young, and PJ Souls. Directed by Ivan Reitman, this movie is rated R with a running time of one hour and 46 minutes. So, what is this movie about? What's on the box? If you grew up in the 1980s and went to your local video store to rent this movie, you would find this description on the back of the VHS box. It is What's on the Box. Take it away, Jason. Bill Murray has joined the Army. And the army will never be the same. When John Winger, Bill Murray, loses his job, his car, his apartment, and his girlfriend all in one day, he decides he only has one option. Volunteer for Uncle Sam. He talks his friend Russell, Harold Ramis, into enlisting with him. Where else, they figure, can they help save the world for democracy and meet girls? John and Russell find basic training a snap. They are arrested twice have endless run-ins with their drill sergeant and get into a big mess at a female mud wrestling match. They even steal a top-secret government vehicle to take some gorgeous female MPs on a date and wind up behind the Iron Curtain. Stripes is outrageous fun. And that's the fact, Jack. Stripes. Yes, indeed. Uh, I'm smiling already, man. Yeah, so, so that fun. was what's on the box. Uh, let's move on to earliest memories of Stripes. Jason, what are some of your earliest memories of Stripes? Yeah, man. You know, I did not see this in the theater. I have a vague recollection of seeing the entire film at some point, but it was much later on. I do not believe I even see like saw this in my teens. I think it probably was maybe early college. I, I don't know. I, I visited this much later on. So, I mean, I I remember images that it had a great cast. Of course, we have Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, John Candy, amongst many others. I honestly couldn't have told you much about the story of this movie, besides it having comedic characters who are down on their luck and decide to join the army only to find themselves under circumstances in which they must fight to save the day. But of course, you know, like as I was reading the the uh, back of the VHS box, basically, what we do here, the what's on the box segment, I you know I remembered some lovely ladies being in this movie, and of course the the, the converted Winnebago, uh, which is converted into a tank, which serves as their attack vehicle. But uh, you know I was just always aware of this movie via word of mouth just like as to how funny it was and how revered it was in the pop culture of the eighties. This is up there just revert, like revered as one of the funniest movies. Like I, that's like one of my earliest memories is this just always floated around. Uh, you know, there's like, obviously your meatballs or like porkies or things like that in the early eighties, which were like just, just kind of goofy, silly buddy comedies or, you know, uh, I threw Porky's in there only because of there's just 
a lot of boobs and stuff just like this movie but um <laughs> but it was like when you're a young guy you know a kid coming up through grade school going into high school like this these were the the pop culture movies that were you know tossed around in conversation just because they were fun to talk about and quotable and you had saturday night live stars amongst sctv stars in this movie you know so uh you know slightly raunchy in moments if you will and things like that i don't know it was uh so that that's you know just what i remember as a kid hearing about this movie that's really all i got man what are your earliest memories of stripes yeah for some reason i remember my dad actually going to see this with a friend i don't know who he went with but i think it was just very unusual for like one of my parents to go out by themselves hmm. you know because it was just me and my brother at the time I'm, i think my yeah my mom was probably pregnant uh, with my sister so the fact that like, my dad went out and saw the movie that just kind of stuck to me but i guess in a way it's good that he did because when i finally got to see it i think it was on hbo yeah and i remember you know, you have the opening scene where Winger loses his car and he's taking his stuff back to the apartment. And my dad's like shouting at me, cover your eyes, cover your eyes, cover right. your eyes. And you're like, what am I covering my eyes? You know, because I, I didn't know, you know, his girlfriend was stepping out topless. Oh, they waste no, no time. Oh, no. At all. Get right to it. And then, of course, um, I've mentioned this before in other shows where I had the strict bedtime. And so I only got to watch the first time up until the mud wrestling scene. Then it was <laughs> oh, time for you to go to bed. So I had no idea what happened. The second. <laughs> you know, I didn't see the, the razzle dazzle or the, the graduation. I had no idea about them going to Czechoslovakia. It was probably a couple of years later till, you know, I was old enough to actually watch the whole thing on my own. But I know the scene always stood out. And even as kids is, you know, do what did because anytime, sure. you know, as kids, you're on a trail or in line for something, someone would kind of pull that out. And everyone, not that anyone ever knew the words. All we knew is do what did he did he do? Yeah, um, that was something we always did. But yeah, just going back and watching it and just seeing every time you're just like, oh, my God, he's in it. He's in it. So many people launch from this film. It's right. crazy. You mentioned John Candy, but then you have John Larroquette, uh, John Deal. Um Judge Reinhold. Yeah. Got Sean Young in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When her, uh, might be her screen debut, I think. And I, it was just funny. It was just funny. It, the humor's all over the place. It, it's sophomoric. But yeah, I, I thought it was a funny movie. I've watched it a ton of times and uh, it was good to go back and um, check this one out again. Oh, no question about it, man. And like you said, sophomoric is a great descriptor. It's a goofball comedy. I mean, this is categorized as a wartime comedy, right? Oh, that's the tech like genre of the film, but it really is goofball comedy. Like you said, with uh, the Duwa Diddy was their marching, you know, uh, while the company does their march through basic training. That's just another one of those things where it just kind of spread. Like, even if you hadn't seen the film, you'd, you'd heard about it. And it was just imitated all the time and quoted all the time. So you were aware of it. Stripes was a movie that just, you, you couldn't really escape it in the early eighties. No. Because it, we'll get to it. And it's just something I'm going to, to be repeating ad nauseum throughout this podcast is just how fun it is. That's what sells, what sells this movie. It's definitely not the writing. It's definitely not the plot. 
there's nothing amazing about the no. filmmaking. It's the performers. It is the director. It's about the people and how magnetic and charming and funny they are and their relationships to one another, which just come across on screen. And they're just so relatable as these goofy guys are people having fun. But I'll talk about that here now because we're just kind of going into our initial thoughts. Is that okay if I yeah, go, go, kick go, go. that segment off? So here are some of my initial thoughts about Stripes from 1981. This movie definitely requires the just go with it approach, otherwise known as suspension, suspension of disbelief, which I keep bringing up Agreed. over and over again. Because there's such a high level of goofiness, as I mentioned, goofball comedy. But the goofiness is part of the charm of these types of 80s movies. This film is incredibly, incredibly loose. It doesn't follow a very specific structure. Again, a lot of some of the dialogue doesn't even make sense. Most of it is improvised. They obviously had a script. I mean, Harold Ramis is one of the writers. You have Ivan Reitman directing. But these guys had kind of come up together. We know Bill Murray and Harold Ramis were best of friends. Bill Murray insisted on Harold Ramis being in this movie, even though he was a writer and not much of an actor. Harold Ramis tentatively is like, yeah, I'll do, you know, okay. And I mean, it, that's just kind of, there was just this loosey-goosey feel and that comes across on screen though and it's relatable. And there's almost a realism in that, yes. strangely enough. Now, we've got two lovable losers. That was just something that jumped out at me. It's just, and it's such an easy, this is, I'm being Captain Obvious here, but it's never a bad idea to tell a story about lovable losers. The underdogs, AKA the Goonies. It's easy to root for them as long as they learn to help themselves along the way. We see some sort of arc and that's kind of like where the graduation drill scene in this movie is so great where you kind of see these guys come together and finally figure something out and they get that right in that scene. Uh, but the lovable loser is someone that's easily relatable to and you want to root for them. You want to see them uh, survive. You want to see them triumph. It's a easy character to get behind. So we definitely have that in this. And they, you know, between Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, they're character actors. They're not just comedic, but they're extremely human, everyman characters that you, you know, how can you not relate to and get behind and uh, uh, support? So great casting and Reitman kind of being. That's his specialty, right? His specialty is the the buddy comedy. So you put that together and you're in for a, a fun ride with some fun characters that you can get behind. So, you know, here, this is cliche these days, but we don't get these movies anymore. And I can't help but think that all the time watching this. You know, we speaking of like the lovable losers, you know, today we have some wonderful, huge tentpole productions that are superhero films that have flawed characters that have some relatability. And I love those movies. I absolutely do. But sometimes that relatable humanity gets a little bit lost and the silliness, the ridiculousness, the human aspect of just being hilarious and sad and, you know, resilient too, at the same time, it kind of gets all lost. And that's what I love about this kind of movie. I mean, Stripes is, there's some actual, just, I don't know, just a tangible humanity, I guess. 
that gets lost in some of these movies. Anyway, Bill Murray is one of one, one of a kind, one of a kind. Uh, they broke the mold with that guy, and we know he's hilarious. But man, he's so charming. You can you could see Bill Murray as a handsome gentleman. You could see that, but it's he can turn on a sort of charm where he can match up with a, an attractive young lady, and you kind of buy it. You know, like just on the surface, you might be like, ah, you know, just average type of guy. But he turns on that the humor, and then this, this charm comes through, and we see it time and time again in all of his movies. He wins you over in What About Bob, or even in more recent times with Lost in Translation, where you just see a more mature Bill Murray, but ultimately charming. Uh, so that his charm just kind of stood out to me in this more than, I don't know, it just jumped out to me because this is such an earlier, early film and it's so obvious. I think what I liked about this, just get on Bill Murray's performance, is yeah. you're following Bill Murray and you're kind of rooting for him to get through this basic training so you're with him on this, but then you realize the rest of the platoon hates his guts because mm-hmm. he is making all their lives so miserable, but you don't really catch it. You don't see it because all of a sudden then he becomes the leader. And I thought that right. was just great. It's like, he really just turns. That's what he just constantly does throughout this movie. He just turns the tables all the time. And that's just what, like you said, because of his charm. But I, I really never noticed before until watching this time. I was like, oh, the rest of the platoon just hates him. They just wish he would just shut up and they just get through this eight weeks of misery, graduate and move on. Oh, 100%. You're absolutely right. Uh, he's the obnoxious troublemaker. Yeah. Right. Who can't keep his mouth shut. Like you said, uh, can't help but make a, a five mile run into a 10 mile run. Right. Yeah. No, totally agree. But you can only hate him for a second. Because like you said, he'll find a way to manipulate it and find maybe a silver lining in the situation or make some fun out of it. And then you just, you can't help but love the guy. Yeah, it's it's great point. Man, I love Harold Ramis's dumb smile. He's got this dumb smile on his face almost 100% of the time. It's just great. Very lovable guy. Plays the character of Russell Ziski. What kind of name is Ziski? I just... It's just amazing. It's hilarious. Uh, so Murray has the dumb smile at times too, but Ramis has it, like I said, 100% of the time. Love how he does this like mocking of other characters at times. There's two different moments when he, he does it next to Elmo, played by Judge Reinhold, when they first meet and Judge Reinhold is trying to tell him that he's trying to basically smuggle drugs onto the, the uh, bus. Which, and you see... Ramus like doing this thing with his head where he keeps sticking it out like yeah man like I'm a stoner too I get I totally get your vibe but he's kind of mocking him at the same time and then there's another conversation later on or another scene I should say with John Candy who plays Ox that's one of my favorite moments when Ox is trying to tell everybody his story like a little bit of his backstory which he talks about his issues with aggression and how he tried to talk to somebody about like therapy but that wasn't going to work so what the solution must be why not go into the army and sitting right next to him is stupid Harold Ramis who's like making these like mocking gestures and like imitating him uh, behind his back just like a child and that's what I wrote down childlike and ridiculous it's just it but it works especially for me, whom I saw it. I'm sure I was an immature young man. That stuff just tickles my funny book, man. I mean, it just gets me. I can't help but laugh at crap like that. 
And that just ties into my next initial thought, which is these guys simply look like they're having fun. That's it. Another like childlike moment again is when all the recruits are gathered around and Sergeant Hulka makes his introduction and he's telling them what they're going to be in store for, for basic training. And he said, uh, and he mentions uncle Sam. And then Bill Murray looks at Harold Ramis and goes, uncle Hulka. And it's just the dumbest thing, but I laughed out loud because it's the most childish thing. They're just being goofy, you know, stoner like children in this movie. How can you not laugh at something dumb like that? Jason, did you steal my notes? Yeah. <laughs> I was just saying, <laughs> sorry. You're taking all my favorite scenes and moments out. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> That's okay. okay. Keep I'll, going. No, just I'm keep going. I'm just, I'm just okay. laughing. It's just infectious. It's contagious. It feels as if the movie movie is totally self-aware. It, this is what I, and here's my comparison. It's like when uh, you watch Saturday Night Live. When a Saturday Night Live actor breaks in a scene and laughs in the middle of a sketch, it's hilarious because we like to see them having fun because we want to have fun with them. It's like a shared experience almost. And it's kind of the same thing watching this movie. We want to see them having fun. Uh, another initial thought, Sean Young is really pretty. Uh, this is young Sean Young and PJ Souls is super cute. John Larroquette, so great. You love to hate him. I mean, the role will I'll always know him for is Dan Fielding from Night Court. Another just one of oh, yeah. this, come, this you know? basically laid the groundwork for that character. You just so see great. so much of him in that. Yeah, complete. Great call. Great call. And, it, you know, by the way, it looks like I just saw in his IMDb. It looks like a reboot is in pre-production right now for series night court yeah oh night court yeah for night court uh and he'd be reprising his role as dan feeling just love his over dramatic salute he does when we were introduced to his character captain stillman yes uh john larroquette shout out to john deal you you threw his name out earlier and immediately of course every time i see him as i'm sure you have the same reaction as we think of uh good old detective larry zito from miami vice uh, John, maybe his most notable role. Uh, it's questionable, but that's for me personally. That's my opinion. Man, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> he stands out in this John Deal, man. He plays this dim witted hick character and named Cruiser. Or that's his nickname, but that's kind of his, his name in the movie. He's what we uh, kind of call, it sounds slightly derogatory. I apologize, but a mouth breather. His mouth is open all the time because <laughs> he's playing kind of a dumb guy. And he gets taken advantage of. He's abused. He's made fun of. But man, John Deal is great at playing dumb and like completely naive and innocent and not having a clue. I, I'm just, I, I thought John Deal was great in this movie. It was one of his first roles too. And he, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It, according to what the recent, yeah, it seems like it was his first uh, feature film date. This was his debut. Yeah. Um, you know what? My theory is that everyone cast and crew was incredibly high while making this movie, which is great because the movie wouldn't have worked if only half of them were high. I mean, it's couldn't be more obvious. Like most of them are just either stoned or drunk the other time. You can do some of the research, but it's fantastic. And uh, we'll, we'll get into some fun facts and trivia because I think this whole premise was kind of envisioned by Ivan Reitman as a, well, we'll talk about it, but uh, it, it makes sense. Let's just put it that way. 
but right. it, it, yeah. So it's a blast. What? Uh, okay. I'm done talking. How about initial thoughts for you, man? All right. So initially for this week's podcast, uh, we were going to discuss good morning Vietnam, but then on February 13th, um, we heard the news of Ivan Reitman's passing Yeah, and stripes is going to be on our schedule later this year, but we wanted to move it up this week um, just to discuss the impact uh, Ivan's had on movies in the eighties and just, just movies in general. I know for me, my first Ivan Reitman movie was meatballs, uh, which I got to see at the drive-in with my parents at the age of six. And it was also my introduction to Bill Murray. Um, Of course, at that age, I had no idea who or what a director was. Um, I just really enjoyed the movie, but, I certainly found out who Ivan Reitman was when Ghostbusters came out in 1984 and have certainly followed his career ever since. When we discuss great directors, um, we unfortunately don't put Ivan in that category. But when you see his name on a film, whether it is the as director or producer, there's a great chance you're going to be entertained by that movie. Some of his uh, directorial highlights include Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, Dave, and Draft Day. Uh, Movies he's produced include National Lampoon's Animal House, Heavy Metal, Beethoven, Space Jam, Old School, I Love You Man, and Up in the Air, which was nominated for six Oscars. Most of his directorial movies have a family-friendly, entertaining quality to them. I mean, he made Schwarzenegger funny. Um, He brought out some of the best of Bill Murray. Ivan Reitman entertained you. He was the type of filmmaker I wanted to be. Buy your movie ticket, grab your popcorn, and be entertained for the next two hours. Just enjoy yourself at the theater or at home. Ivan's movies were all about taking ordinary situations and making them insane, whether it was at the summer camp, the military, or kindergarten. Um, His movies had heart and usually left with a smile on your face when you left the theater. Ivan's legacy will certainly be Ghostbusters, and I can't wait to get into that when we get into that show in the future. And it's certainly my favorite movie of his. But when you look over his filmography, you really see that he had the audience in mind when he made his movies. Um, I just want to say thank you, Ivan. Rest in peace. We will miss you. Wow. That was moving and uh, poignant and bittersweet and well-written and well-said, Bill. Thank you. Rest in peace, Ivan Reitman. All right. From that, we're going to move on to favorite scenes or moments. What are some of our favorite scenes and moments from Stripes? Yeah. I, you know, let's start from the beginning. Always a good place to start. So, man, Bill <laughs> Murray getting a shoe shine. I love this moment. There's, he has a great line there where he says, uh, "What's his uh, kind of like his philosophy?" Is like, oh yeah, the hundred dollar shine for a three dollar pair of shoes. Yes, like and I love that. Uh, but he does this little thing. It's kind of subtle, but it's just so funny, and it was noticeable to me immediately. Is that when he goes to pay the shoe shine guy, he pulls the cash out of his pocket, and then he turns to hide the cash. Because he doesn't want to see how much money he has. And he takes a couple of the bills from the wad of cash he's holding and then gives the shoeshine guy the money. So I, I just think that's hilarious that there's just a little physicality in that. 
And there's a reason why, why he did that. I'm going to actually just go right to fact, fun facts and trivia. I'm just going to jump you know over like five segments. What I had read is that John Winger's habit of hiding his money when removing it from his pocket is lifted from Dr. Hugo Z. Hackenbush in a film entitled A Day at the Races from 1937, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and awesome that if he consciously made a reference to a film from 1937, that thing where he pulls his money out and hides it <laughs> before, you know, doling out the cash to pay for his shoe shine. So that's a great moment right off the beginning uh, top when we are being introduced to John Winger, a cab driver, just down on his luck, which takes me right to my next uh, favorite moment. And this is where I live vicariously through Bill Murray because, or I should say his character, John Winger, uh, is because, long story short, he ends up giving a cab ride. He's a taxi driver, so he's giving a ride to this elderly woman who's in a rush to get to the airport, and she's not very nice, and he's had enough, and he's just sick of driving the taxi. A couple of guys actually uh, screwed him on a fare right before that, and so he's just, he's had enough of his job. Literally, pulls over on the bridge and gets out of the car blocking traffic. And it's a hilarious moment because she's screaming at him. She's like, you can't just get out of the car and leave me here. And he gets out of the cab, goes over to the edge and tosses the keys from the cab into the river and walks off. And in the background, you just hear screeching cars coming to a halt. You hear a car crash in the background, which is hilarious, but he's just given up. He's just done. And I just wish I had the balls to quit a job like that, like just to walk off and like, no, right in that moment, I'm leaving everything. I'm just as is right smack dab in the middle of it. It must be a great feeling. So that moment is, uh, I don't know, it's kind of exhilarating, actually. It's pretty funny. Uh, How about uh, any moments or scenes for you right off the top before I get to my, my first scene, actually? No, that is a good um, opening moment because it really just starts the downward spiral of why Winger is going to join the army. But yeah, he's what, having a bad day. But one of my favorite moments, because I unfortunately I always flash back to the scene every time something like this happens to me where he, you know, the lady asked him to take him to the airport and he's loading his luggage into the back of the his cab. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, and uh, the oh my ball! What he says? Oh my god! Which I'm I'm jumping ahead too. Facts and trivia. That was a real line. He accidentally, yeah, he's one of those pieces of luggage swiped his nuts, and that's why he was like, "Oh my balls!" I guess he actually said that for real. That was a real reaction. So yeah, ever since then, anytime got a kick that that's. Always go back to that scene. Oh, it's just, it's memorable because unfortunately I've had to live some version of it. And every guy has at some point right. has uh, gotten kicked in the nuts or hit in the nuts or something like that. But all, all, I, all I see is John Winger in the middle of the street, like, oh, my ball. So it's a, <laughs> it's a memorable moment to me. <laughs> it's great. There's just some, something about it in the delivery because he's not even facing camera at that point. No, he's got like, his back to you. And, but he's struggling so badly, poor, like badly with the, the luggage. And it just makes sense that that would happen in that moment and just confirms that he's having a really shitty day. It just, just reinforces yeah, that. 
You just do that twist in the circle and you're just like, please pain go away. And it's not overly done where he's screaming out in pain or anything or falling to the ground, grabbing his crotch or anything like that. He literally just, you just see it. Like he's almost whispering it. Oh, my balls, my balls. (laughs) It's it's a memorable scene. Oh, absolutely. So we know that John Winger is having a bad day, quits his job on the scene. Uh, He's literally walking back to the apartment he's staying at, which I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong here, Bill, but it is his girlfriend Anita's apartment, right? I wasn't sure about that. So it's not clear, but I think it's supposed to be her place. Right. It probably is because, I mean, her pictures are all over it. But I thought maybe it was Winger's because with the photography. So I wasn't sure which photographer. Yeah. But there's no way he could afford that place. No. It's just too nice. I think that some of his stuff is around perhaps the basketball hoop that's up on the wall and things like that. But I have to assume that's her, her place. But regardless, he walks back it, right before he even actually enters the apartment. His car gets repossessed. Uh, he comes back to the apartment. We see his girlfriend getting out of the shower, as you mentioned, and uh, he explains to her, well, he lost his job and he's lost his car and he's uh, basically a loser and she breaks up with him as a result. And all the charm in the world isn't going to save the relationship and he does try to save her. But my first uh, favorite scene is this apartment scene because she breaks up with him, leaves, but who arrives on the scene but his best buddy, Russell Ziski, and played by Harold Ramis, and he comes up the stairs and right off the bat, it's brilliant. This is the thing is that they waste no time. You get the sense immediately that they're good friends. There's no, there's barely any, there's no dialogue. He just walks, you know, Russell walks in. He's like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and John Winger is having, you know, as I said, a bad day. And he's shooting hoops and he's slamming the basketball through the hoop. And, uh, what does uh, Russell say? Something like something to the effect of uh, what's going on. And <laughs> this is the best moment of all time is when John Winger just takes the basketball and whips it through the window. <laughs> yep. And says nothing. He says that first. I go, he goes, he's like, what's going on? He's like, nothing. Whoosh, he throws the ball out the window. This scene ensues where you get the sense that John and Russell are best of friends, both not doing so well in their life. They're about, you know, turning 30 around that uh, age. And uh, a commercial comes on the television. It's a recruitment for the army. Now, all of a sudden, John gets the bright idea that they should join the army. And that's going to fix all of their problems. All their woes will go away. And the scene ensues where you have John Betts, Russell says, I bet you three bucks I can do five push-ups. So the bet happens we have him struggling to do the push-ups. And that's funny. This is just a goofy scene. And there's just a wonderful line in here where uh, Russell said, you know, Russell's like, no, 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 no. This is ridiculous. You can't, you're too old to join the army. We couldn't do this. You couldn't do this. And Russell says, you could join a monastery. And John replies with, did you ever see a monk get wildly fucked by some teenage girls? <laughs> Russell says, Never. John says, so much for a monastery. (laughs) Uh, Just a nice establishing scene, establishing their friendship and that they're both kind of in in dire straits here and need to find a solution 
to uh, revive their lives. Uh, so I love the apartment scene. That's my my first uh, favorite scene. Yeah, it's a good scene too because Russell's life is in limbo. It sounds like, and Wingers hit rock bottom, and they think joining the army is going to be a course correction and man exactly. for a rude awakening. But one of my favorite lines from that scene is when the girlfriend is leaving, and mm-hmm. and Wingers trying to grab him. He's like, "Don't leave! All the plants are going to die." <laughs> Because yeah. I just remember one of my roommates, we used to do that line all the time. If one of us were going out on our own to do our own thing, <laughs> we'd always yell at one another, you can't leave. All the plants are going to die. So that was <laughs> always great. just one of those recurring jokes I always had. So um, I just love that scene and that line for it. Beautiful. Yeah. So my next favorite scene is you kind of touched it on a little bit is um, the introduction of Sergeant Hulka. We know there's going to be a problem. So Basically, Winger has convinced Russell that they're going to join the army. They go to the base. They're getting off the bus. And uh, we see Hulka outside the bus, you know, getting everybody to go on. And it's hilarious, too, because then, you are you know, you're starting to meet some of the other additional characters in the cast. Like some of you met in the best station, but now you're, you're meeting them. They're coming in the bus. Right. Hulka introduces himself to the recruits, basically tells them, you know, I'm the man in charge. You can do everything I say. And of course, Winger's just wisecracking. He can already tell. He realizes he made a mistake. Like, I, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. So he's going to try to make the best out of it by bringing some levity to it. And this is the wrong place for it. And of course, Hulka calls him out right in front of everyone. Right. There's a great moment in here, too, where he, oh, he's, he says something to the, the group. And of course, John Deal's the only one that says, you know, yes, sir. Right. Yeah. And he calls him out. And he's like, you, you don't call me, sir, because right. I'm a working man. Yeah. And I've actually experienced that uh, myself because when I was with the Dolphins, we used to go to military bases to do shows or, you know, if they were, especially because, you know, we were going through, unfortunately, uh, 9-11. And I remember saying to, I, I think it was a captain, I said, yes, sir, to him about something. And he said the same thing to me. He's like. You don't call me, sir. I'm a working man. And I was like, oh, crap. Okay, That's just like from Stripes. Right. Oh, that's so it was, it was kind of funny because, you know, when I watched it. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I know exactly what, what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So, you know, right away from this scene that Hulka and Winger are going to have issues throughout this film. And this and the scene basically ends where, you know, oh, we got a comedian on this, huh? Why don't we take right. this comedian outside and make him do 50 push-ups? Which yeah. makes you laugh because I'm like, this guy can barely do five. Now he's going to have right. to go out and do 10 times. That'll be a struggle. Yeah. And then they're going through the orientation and they're getting all their gear and stuff. So Winger thinks he's going to rectify his situation by apologizing to Hulk. And he's like, hey, you know, I'm sorry about my wisecracks. I won't do it again. And Hulk just looks at him like, Go fuck yourself. All right. right get yeah. out of my face. And when you're in Russell walk by and he's like, do you, do you think he fell for it? He's like, no, not at all. Yeah, right. So you just know like, oh, Winger's Winger is in trouble. Oh, absolutely. I, I love that scene because it really does set up the next, you know, middle part of that film where it's going to be the back and forth between Hulk and Winger. So it's a good, nice little setup. Oh, definitely. And they, you know, they, they do set it up as if, you know, you've got the, the stereotypical, intense drill sergeant right who's just going to get in everybody's face and just be yelling and screaming aka uh lewis gusset jr from officer and gentleman but uh 
in this scenario, it's it's a comedy. So it's going to be lighthearted. And Warren Oates as Sergeant Hulka is what a face he's Kudos got to him, on that man. guy. He's got Perfect. such a great face because he can play that intensity and that like, oh, shit, he's going to get mad. Like he could be intimidating if he wanted to, but he also has so much character in his face. He can play the comedy too, right? He's got a military face. He does. Oh, completely. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. It's great casting. Yeah. So you're right. You can see it's going to be a contentious relationship. And Murray's such a freaking clown. And he just, he can't help himself, but make those wisecracks. So, you know, I'm going to take it a step back. There's just, speaking of just those silly moments, those childlike humorous moments when they are at the bus station and we get to meet a couple of the recruits, we meet judge Reinhold who plays Elmo. Uh, and eventually we meet John Candy as uh, Ox uh, short for Oxenberg. Mm-hmm. Is it Oxenberger or is it Oxenberg? Maybe Oxenberger. Yeah. Uh, do we Ox Oxberger? There we go. In the scene, we are introduced to the two lovely MPs, the military police, uh, played by PJ Souls and Sean Young, respectively. That's Hanson and, I'm sorry, uh, Stella and Louise. Of course, John can't help himself. He's going to flirt with the lovely PJ Souls, uh, or I should say Stella. And she's putting him in his place to say, well, I'm an MP. And she's just, you know, demanding a little bit of respect. And then we uh, see the other pairing of Harold Ramis flirting with Sean Young's character, Luis, the other MP. And it's just funny because you see, you know, immediately we get, okay, these are going to be the two romantic couples, right? They've been paired off immediately here in this bus station. But in this brief moment where Harold Ramis is flirting with Sean Young, (laughs) (laughs) it's great. It's actually good directed as the camera flips. And we see Bill Murray right outside the window, staring like right at his face, like yes. right at him, just to see how it's going. Like that, he's like knows that Harold Ramis is flirting with her, and it's just one of those stupid things you would do as a kid. Or I actually had a friend. I'm going to shout out, to, uh, give a shout out to Andy Buckley because that's something he would do even still as an adult. He has that Bill Murray in him, where he's just a cl- he's like the class clown, like he can't help himself. He's just always thinking funny. So it's like, what can I do that would be goofy in this moment just to be embarrassed, my friend, or make light of the situation in a, a comedic way. And that's that kind of moment. So I love that moment when it, the camera flips around, you just, I mean, just all of a sudden see Bill Murray staring through the, the window of the door at the two of them flirting. You just can't get enough of that stuff. Uh, moving on, my next favorite scene happens the night before graduation. And our company, our, our regiment, these group of this motley crew uh, of recruits that we've been following up to this point, uh, they're barely getting through basic training, but they decide to sneak out and go into town and they're going to hit the topless joint <laughs> known as the Pony Pony. Is that is that the name? Of, is it just Pony Pony? Is that what it's called? Oh, I thought it was the Pom Pom. Is it the Pom? Oh, I. You know what? I think you're right. I think you're right. Where the hell did I? It looks like Pony Pony on the neon sign. But it does. Right. It's Pom Pom. Yeah, I think you're right. So this is the mud wrestling scene, and 
it's in the middle of this movie. It feels like it's so out of place and it's awesome. I mean, we always see, let's say, in a war, war comedy film, whenever the the recruits, uh, the company goes on leave, or you see it in any like war movie, you kind of that's always going to be a fun scene, right? In a military movie, when they're on leave, you know, they go off the base and they uh, get to let off some steam. But in this movie, they actually have to sneak, you know, it's a comedy, they sneak out of the barracks and they go into town and they find this pom pom place, which is the stopless bar. And they have mud wrestling in the middle of this place. There's the ring in the middle of the bar. And, you know, you've got Oxen or Oxburger. Is that, I keep, I can't get his right. Ox, Oxburger, uh, John Candy. He's got enough money uh, to pay to join the mud wrestling match. And of course you have Bill Murray egging him on and saying, yeah, get in there. And there's like, there's the three or four really lovely ladies in bikinis that are professional mud wrestlers. And Candy jumps right into the mix and hijinks ensue. They spend a lot of time in this bar. It's just Candy rolling around his mud, getting his ass kicked, his ass handed to him by these women. Oh, there's what I love when they take a brief break, like there's a little intermission in the fight. And what a, what a great moment. John Candy goes to the corner and his corner man is, of course, Bill Murray. And Bill Murray has given him a cigarette to smoke. He's covered it. Candy's covered yeah. in mud. And Bill Murray gives him a cigarette to, and he's throwing water in his face to rinse some of the mud off of his face. He's smoking and getting splashed in the face. And he goes back into the ring. And it's great because he finally gets the upper hand and manages somehow to strip all the bikini tops off all the women in the middle of the ring and stands up with all the bikini tops and, and raises his hand in you know triumph with the tops in his hand. And the classic theme just kicks in at that moment. And it's brilliant. And it's ridiculous. And I'm like, what the hell is going on in this movie? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. You've got you've got a lot of boobs, you've got a lot of mud, you got a lot of guys just partying and screaming and hooping and hollering, and uh it's a fun scene. Yeah, the fourteen-year-old in me is, would say it's my favorite scene. Completely. The cool thing about that scene too, if you have eagle eyes, Donald Gibb who plays uh, Ogre in the Revenge of the Nerds films is in there as one of the bouncers. Yep, and Bill Paxton is actually in that scene, and the scene where you see him is when Candy finds out that he is going to wrestle the women. You'll see a, a guy in military uniform, like sitting right next to him. That is Bill Paxton. Yeah. There's yep. things on the internet. They're saying he's in different scenes. That's not correct. He is in the mud wrestling scene. He's like literally in it for like two or three frames, but he's in there. I right. Say. You I can did, see I him. Just, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. But I do like when at the, like the end of the first round and, and Kenny's go back. It's like, I can't go back in there. I can't go back in there. It's like, Oh, come on. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah, and then it was kind of like a, I don't want to say it's a storyline, but there was a scene where we see Cruiser at the bar, and he's looking at this woman. Oh, yeah. And I thought that would go somewhere, and it oh, yeah. didn't. And I was kind of, oh. I have that a little bit later on in my notes, where I thought with a lot of these characters, it might go somewhere, and it doesn't go anywhere at all, ever no. in this movie. Nothing goes anywhere, and that's no. part of the hilarity of it. Yes. But I agree with you, because... John Deal is very sympathetic. Again, kind of the dumb hick in this movie, 
and has just got his mouth open, hanging open the whole time, looking around, just not aware of anything happening. And uh, there's this very sexy blonde that's looking at him and clearly interested in him. And at that moment, you're like, ah, good for you, Cruiser. Yep. Good for you. You're going to hook up tonight. Well done. And then, of course, that's it. Like, you don't ever, nothing comes of it. Yeah, or you think he's just going to do something stupid and blow yeah. it. We miss out on that one. You know, John and Russell come back from the, well, they're actually lucky when they come out of the mud wrestling scene at the pom-pom because the MPs show up, but the two MPs that are going to put them in cuffs and drag them off happen to be uh, the two lovely ladies that they've been flirting with. So you have Louise and Stella. Yes. Take them off and they drive them back to Fort Arnold uh, to tell them, oh, uh, guess what? We're going to, we have an over, we're staying overnight at General Barnaby's house. The general's out of town. So, Barnaby. <laughs> it's like awesome. Okay. So now John and Russell are going to go hook up with the young ladies, these MPs at the general's house. I mean, it's completely far fetched and ridiculous, but awesome at the same time. And again, like you said, like totally, if you're watching this through like teenage boys' eyes, it's just wonderful. It's like, yeah, go party. Let's see yep. what happens. It's definitely Animal House, but army style, right? Or military style. So one of my favorite scenes within the scene is alludes to what I was saying earlier, the Murray's just incredible charm uh, because he is in the kitchen with PJ Souls and he really turns it on. He's coming on to her and uh, he's saying, you know, he grabs her and they're getting a little lovey-dovey. And he's like, uh, you know what the problem is, is that you're armed because she's still wearing her military police uniform. And he takes off her belt with that as a gun in it, et cetera. And he lifts her up and sits her on the top of the oven. And he starts flirting with her by using the kitchen tools at his disposal uh, like the spatula and the rolling pin. And he's giving her the Aunt Jemima treatment. <laughs> and it's just great because he's like, he's going for it. Uh, I mean, he takes the, and by the way, again, jumping all over our trivia, this is completely improv. Bill Murray is improvising this scene when he's flirting with PJ Souls. He takes the spatula and he's sticking it underneath her, getting her to jump up and down on the oven, uh, pretending like she's uh flapjacks in a, in a pan, right? It's just funny. And she's jumping around. She's screaming, being goofy and like, stop it, stop it. And, uh, but she's playing along with it. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And he says, Oh, you're getting lumpy and takes the rolling pin and rolls the pin on her thighs. And he's like, Oh, you're getting, you're too lumpy. <laughs> and it's just, it's really charming. And then finally he takes the ice cream scooper. And of course the way the camera's framed, we don't actually see where he's placing this ice cream scooper. We have a good uh, idea. Clear, right. It's clearly uh, stimulating her in a way. And she's laughing and giggling. And he's like, oh, you love me, don't you? You know, uh, and she's like, yes. And supposedly this scene was shot at three in the morning after a really long day of shooting. And uh, that on top of the fact that Bill Murray is improvising this and PJ Souls, all of her reactions are real. It's just a fun scene. And of course, they do hook up, and and uh, this is just like good times, you know. Yeah. What what, what more can you say? The the guys are are gonna are gonna score. 
<laughs> so just a fun scene hooking up with the MPs at the general's house. Yeah. Cause then you have Russell and Louise in the other room. Right. And they even mentioned, it's like, Oh, it's like being at home without your parents. And they start, exactly. they start playing like a little flirty game and start making out. So yeah, they're having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cute scene too. The rest of the platoon is getting their asses chewed out and they're, uh, right. they're making it with the MPs. Poor bastards. Good for them. Yep. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is the, it's the eighties. Got to have a montage, the training montage scene. Of course. Freaking love it. So, um, you know, Captain Stillman, um, John Larroquette, you know, wants to see how the platoons are doing because um, he's been told that they're looking for a platoon to head up this um, top secret EM 50. That's right. Assault vehicle. And they, they want a platoon that's going to head this up at the class. So, you know, hopefully Stillman, one of his platoons is going is to make it. So, you know, he's constantly going out there, checking out the platoons to see what's going on. And so he goes out to the training course to see, you know, Hulk's platoon. Of course, there's another platoon going through and they're, they're going through the course, like perfection. Right. It's like, Oh, great men. Awesome. And he's like, that's my men. Right. And they're like, yeah. no, this is your crew. This, and, then all your this, and then all of a sudden you just hear this screaming and <laughs> just craziness. And like, you see cruiser John deal coming down first. He's almost like, like a zombie that's lost momentum. It's just coming down the hill and he got John candy running down the side and he totally misses the training course. He just runs that's, off the course. I was just going to pinpoint that shot because you, you literally see them all waving their arms in the air and screaming like wild banshees, just going, ah! and there's one shot of John candy who goes completely off course and just runs into the forest yes. screaming. <laughs> like, What's he doing? It's wonderful. They hit the course, and um, Leon, unfortunately, tries to go over the log first. You know, it's a log that's kind of over a pit, and he starts running across, and of course he slips. Right. Another, another nutcracker right there. I don't, yep. I don't know what's yep. about this movie. I just like uh, guess guys getting their nuts cracked in this movie. I, yep. I don't know. Nut shots. Yep, and just all hell breaks loose, and... You just know it's like, oh my god, they're in, they're they're in trouble with the, with this with these guys, and then it cuts to the next scene, and it was great because each scene intercut is of basically Bill Murray having to do push-ups because he's such a fuck up, and right, yeah, and Hulk is out there just counting them off, and then they have like another scene where they're out in the firing range, and a flock of birds goes over, and one of the guys gets his gun and just for some reason just starts shooting at the birds. I don't know what the hell that's all about. Right. I forgot about that moment. Yeah. And then they're in bayonet training and you know, they're taking the bayonets to <laughs> yes. and you have like the stabbing first... the dummies with the bayonets. Yeah. So you have the first group kind of do it right. And then you have Russell, how Ramus come up to do it, and he basically throws his <laughs> gun at the dummy, totally misses and sticks in the ground. And then you have this character um who we meet as psycho. Who right. definitely lives up to his name? You know, if you touch me, I'll okay. kill you. <laughs> and he comes up and sticks the dummy so hard with the bayonet, the dummy comes off the rope it's hung on, and then just starts stabbing, stabbing it in the it face violently. and just and literally dancing on it. And then you know they're they're just going through all these. Then they have to do these ropes, and John Candy gets literally caught in the ropes, and it's just all just funny military training stuff. And like I said, between each scene, we just see winger doing 
push-ups and there's even a scene where they, they they come out to do the run and it's it's pouring raining and because <laughs> he's like oh, i don't think this is a good idea sarge it's cold and flu season some of us might get sick and then all of a sudden the next shot is him 51 52 <laughs> every time they cut to him doing the push-ups is very funny you just know he's just uh, he's just not learning his lesson and, and hulk is trying to beat this into him as much as he can so it's a montage it's the 80s I just gotta have it. it. Gotta have have the montage. And it's a great one. Great call, Bill. Great call. Some really funny stuff in there. Love that you mentioned the moment of Russell throwing his bayonet rifle through the dummy. Because there's like an open space in there somewhere, and he just goes to stab the dummy and just loses grip or whatever. He just tosses his rifle right there. Yeah, just sticks sticks to the the ground. ground. (laughs) Just awesome. I laughed at that at that. Great stuff. So I mentioned uh, that uh, there's the night before graduation, they get busted and some of the guys uh, get in trouble with Captain Stillman and are getting berated. Meanwhile, Russell and John are uh, doing rather well with our young female MPs, but they come back to the barracks and the rest of the group is pissed, even though they're flying high after their night. And they're like, you know, tomorrow's graduation. There's no way we're going to, going to pass we're going to graduate i mean we're just going to fail and we're going to have to redo basic training and there's some little quips there by bill murray but then russell is like hey let's get it together what time is it like two in the morning okay it's two two and what time we usually get up five in the morning (laughs) okay that's oh five we got three hours i've uh you know we can we can cram uh so we'll go over to the motor pool and we're gonna we're gonna work on our our drill for graduation that's basically it in a nutshell, uh, because I think the graduation ceremonies probably takes it's supposed to, I think, take place the next afternoon. But still, right. they have barely any time to to get their crap together before they were supposed to be up and at it at five in the morning. So they go over to the motor pool. And this is a, just a really fun scene because they're all tired as hell after going out for a night on the town. Half of them got in trouble. And Russell is trying to get them together and he's trying to be the leader. And these guys just aren't in the mood and they start fighting amongst themselves. Then candy, one of the guys get in a fight and Bill Murray has his big moment here where yes. he breaks up. Yeah, exactly. He breaks up the fight and this is where Bill Murray actually becomes the leader, which he th- said he was going to be, that he was going to become. And he gives this crazy, wonderful speech, half of it, it starts off making sense and then it kind of trails off and then it kind of comes back. But even though it doesn't totally make sense, you're inspired by the end of it. And at one point, you know, Bill Murray says, we are the wretched refuse. We're the underdog. We're mutts. And that's the gist of it. But it comes around to the fact that we're Americans, damn it. And we got to find the American soldier within ourselves. And it's a, it's a just, it's a funny speech. And at the end, they all cheer, of course, and he starts working on the drill with them. But I just put it down as John Winger's speech the night before graduation. It's a great scene. Yeah. And, and to preface that scene, too, and even the, the mud wrestling scene is they lose Sergeant Holka. He literally gets blown up by mortar fire um, at one point because another platoon's on the mortar field. And of course, Stillman's watching them. And this one group of recruits is not ready to shoot and still makes them shoot 
And of course, they literally shoot it where Hulk's platoon is and he gets injured. So for some reason, now the platoon right. is on their own to finish their training by themselves. Right. So that's, once again, preposterous. That would never happen. But Right. Thanks for clarifying that, because that is a big part of it, is the, the, that they literally have to pick themselves up by their bootstraps and figure out how they're going to get through the rest of basic training and, and finish graduation uh, without their sergeant. Yes. And of course, this all leads up to the, the razzle-dazzle scene, which is graduation. It's, it's an iconic scene. So these guys have been trying to rehearse or rehearse or train. Let's just say train. It ends up seeming more like a rehearsal once you see what happens. And they all fall asleep. And one of them wakes up and it's like, what time is it? Like, oh, it's two o'clock. And they realize graduation's going on and they're not out there. So they got to get everybody up. They're all like half dressed. None of of them's ready. And they just grab their stuff and they go. In the meantime, graduation's happening. Everybody's there. All the platoons are out and they're doing their marching and saluting and majors there, you know, colonels are there, sergeants are there. And of course, they're like, where the hell is this platoon? You know, Stillman's like, where the hell are they? And like, we've we've checked all over the base, we can't find them. And then all of a sudden, just literally just in the middle of the graduation, this platoon comes in being led by Winger and they do this crazy choreography and you're watching it going, oh my God. They're going to have to repeat. This is just terrible. Right. But for some reason, General Barnicky, who's there and he's, you know, going to be heading this new um, EM-50. He's like, this, this, is the, this is the troop I want. This is what I want. Someone that's a little bit outside of the box. Absolutely ridiculous. And it's amazing. Yes, but it's perfect. Yeah. And there's that's just great. some silly stuff because he's like, where's, where's your sergeant? Blown up, sir. And then the rest <gasps> of the platoon's up. Blown up. Murray's over enunciation and everything, because we know that we've seen enough military films, if you're familiar with how they, they yell everything. And it sounds, it's like they're almost not actually pronounce, like pronouncing the words mm-hmm. or enunciate. It's more of just like a general yell. So instead of like blown, instead of just yelling, blown up, sir, it's like, blown up, you know, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Uh, so that it just imagine that's how they're yelling. It's just, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's really a hard scene to describe, but I mean, they're doing all the military stuff correctly, but they're almost mocking it at the same time, but it looks good. It looks good. I mean, the, yeah, it's a great rifle drill. It's well choreographed, like you said, clearly well rehearsed and Bill Murray yelling out the commands and they repeat everything is hilarious and there's a little bit of song in there i mean it starts off with the boom shakalaka boom shakalaka boom and finishing off of course with the general bardicky saying you know you guys managed to finish you know your basic training without your sergeant and of course the most iconic line is that's the fact jack yeah they all say it together uh yeah that's it yeah, uh, that's it's, a great moment. Yeah, it's the most iconic scene of, of the movie. And you could find it everywhere and you can find videos of people redoing it everywhere. So um, if you have not seen Stripes, I'm sure you've probably seen pieces of that scene. This is the scene. Yes, you, you're the right. This is the iconic moment, the iconic scene from the film Stripes. This is right. it. And when you finally get to the scene in the movie, it is well worth it. Uh, I shouldn't say finally, but when you get to it, you're like, it's a great payoff. It's very yeah. fun to watch. It's amusing. You want to see these guys do well. 
Uh, I'm going to go back for a moment, if you will allow me. I wanted to go back to John Winger's speech and just say the first line or two, because it's great, because this is, you know, to get them all hyped up to do this rifle drill that we just broke down or Bill just broke down. Uh, but the speech is, he's like, what the hell's matter with you? Stupid. You know, we're all very different people. We're not Watusi. We're not Spartans. We're Americans with a capital A, huh? You know what that means, do you? That means that our forefathers were kicked out of every decent country in the world. We are the wretched refuse. We're the underdog. We're the mutts. It's great stuff. And then back, you know, and speaking of that scene, and then this rifle drill scene at graduation, the iconic scene, you know, for me, this is that moment where these lovable losers kind of have learned to get their shit together. Yep. They finally learn to help themselves and they come together as a cohesive unit, as a team. And that's why the scene is so great. They picked themselves up. They did it right. And I love the fact that Bill Murray does find his role here, his leadership role in this moment, because most of us are searching for what role we're supposed to kind of play in life or among our group of people, our group of friends, uh, or our, at our workplace. And sometimes we settle for lessons. A lot of time we're always striving for more, but you know, don't feel like we're necessarily destined to play just one role in our lives. It's more of a timing thing, knowing what to play or which role to play at what time and which situation. And it's just a cool moment because John Winger is not a loser in this moment. He's a winner. And he finds his leadership role and he really shines in the rifle drill scene. So, you know, just some stuff I was thinking about while this happened and why it's such a great feel good moment in this movie, why it works so well, in my humble opinion. Uh, After the rifle drill scene, this movie goes batshit crazy. Oh, it wasn't already. Yeah, the third act is eh. there's about a half an hour left in this movie. Guess what, ladies and gents, we're going to Europe. We were going, we were in, uh, at Fort Arnold uh, somewhere. It's, it's actually, I guess, Fort Knox in Kentucky. Uh, but they, they're supposed to be in Kentucky. Correct. They did shoot it in Kentucky. Yes. But uh, all of a sudden, with a half an hour left in the movie, we're going to Italy. Because as Bill mentioned in the rifle drill graduation scene, General Bardicke has said to Captain Stillman, you're taking this company and they were going to be representing us and they're going to go with the EM50, which is basically the, the way Winnebago converted into an attack vehicle. They're going to escort this vehicle over there and we're going to do a little display and a little show and that's it. So now they go to Italy and of course, it's not very exciting for our Bravo company as they escort this vehicle over there and it's unveiled. Basically they have, haven't actually seen what the EM 50 is and it is unveiled and it's hilarious looking. It's just like a big green, ugly hunk of metal. It's just, a, looks like a giant camper that's supposedly outfitted with uh, weaponry, which they can't see on the outside. So they're like, what the hell is this thing? And at one point our heroes are lovable losers <laughs> Uh, John and Russell are basically guarding the vehicle and they're bored out of their minds. And John gets the bright idea. Well, hey, uh, our MP girlfriends are over in Germany hanging out. Maybe if we just take this little baby for a road trip, you know, we can see the ladies. And then, of course, Russell is reluctant at first, but John convinces him, as he always does, in a matter of seconds to do whatever he wants. And they go to Germany. (laughs) They just steal the EM50 vehicle 
out of the hangar somehow. It's not like they're in Italy too. They're in a totally different country. Right, going to drive to Germany and meet the lovely ladies and they do and of course they spend the evening with the ladies and the next morning they're all bright and cheery and this is one of my this is just all leading to one of my favorite moments because Bill Murray coming out and talking to the locals and just one of the lines as he turns to because they're coming out of a hotel and there's just locals hanging german folk and he literally says uh to one of them folks don't order the schnitzel they're using schnauzer folks don't order the schnitzel they're using schnauzer i just love that line <laughs> hilarious so just wanted it was just a long-winded story just to get to that moment but uh for those of you listening at home now you should know where we are in the movie and what's happening Yes. I'm out of favorite moments and scenes here because the rest of it is just insane. And you may have, there's some great stuff in it, but uh, did you have any other moments or scenes? No, because the third act is kind of eh, but there is something that I love that they do at the end of the movie that I wish we would see more of is when the movie ends and then you kind of, they do like the little blurbs of what's happening to the characters that on. Right. And in this movie, they do like magazine covers. Right. Or newspaper. Um, yeah. For, like um, the front page of the paper. Yeah. Kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Like you find out, like, uh, you know, Ox is in Team Beat and he's become like the lovable. <laughs> it's R- a hard throb. Yeah. And then uh, Stillman, who, and it's foreshadowed earlier on that he gets sent to the Arctic um, because his commander says if he screws up this. EM50 thing that he's going to get sent to the Arctic and sure enough he does then you have you know with Russell basically you know I can't remember what magazine was but he's talking about how the you know the the Russians are pussies (laughs) yeah that's hilarious yeah and then um, Stella is the uh, PJ Souls character she's on the cover of Penthouse correct and then uh, then you have uh, of course Winger at the end of you know the the new army and him doing the, the classic you know I want you kind of thing. So I, I love out, that yeah. stuff. I love when movies do that. Just this, um, and you know, sometimes they're just hit and miss where they decide to, to take the characters too. But I always find that amusing. I, I wish they did that more. Yeah, it, it's a great ending. I was just going to say, lastly, overall, my favorite moments are the obligatory 80s boobs. Uh, <laughs> the half-naked girls throughout this movie. There is a lot of them. There is a lot. I wanted to call out one moment too, going back to the mud wrestling scene. Because when John Candy manages to get all the bikini tops off the curls, you can actually see at one point the camera trying to find, like to zoom in or focus in on the boobs. It's very quick, but you're like, the, you can see it's like, where are the boobs? Where are the, oh, there they are. Yeah. And so it's like, we got we to gotta get the obligatory boob shots. In these. It's such an 80s thing. Uh, and I'm not complaining. But my point being, had I seen this movie early on in my adolescence, it would have quickly become my favorite film of all time. I'll just leave it at that. There you go. All right, let's move on to soundtrack. Jason, I know you want to touch on the soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to make this real quick. Uh, The score is done by the one and only Elmer Bernstein. No relation to Leonard Bernstein. Elmer Bernstein, known for so many great scores, but uh, mainly these iconic themes and stripes. Uh, please look it up. Um, 
I'd sing it for you, but it probably wouldn't come out quite right. But Stripes does have one of the great movie themes. And uh, Elmer Bernstein is known for Ghostbusters, Airplane, The Blues Brothers, um, as well as most of uh, John Landis's films, including uh, An American Werewolf in London, Trading Places. Uh, he also did the music score for the music video Thriller from Michael Jackson. Hmm even though obviously the song thriller is playing for most of that video, but the actual orchestral score is Elmer Bernstein. So yeah, that music is fun. It's very riveting. It's very militarist. Yeah. And the theme comes in like a million times. In the movie. Oh yeah. It's great. I love it. They just played over and over again. All right. So this brings us to our Swiss cheese and complaint department. And uh, why do we call it Swiss cheese? Because although this movie is delicious, it does have holes. Yes, and if it doesn't fall under Swiss cheese, we file a complaint with the complaint department. So for me, Swiss cheese, it's so numerous because they're breaking every military regulation throughout. We we can't even get into it. It's just, we just know none of this stuff would fly whatsoever in the military. Winger probably would have got court-martialed or kicked out. Uh, after after week one so you just have to run with it you just have I, to let it I go i literally wrote down bill i wrote down this movie is one giant hole it is it is <laughs> but who gives a shit because the I, the idea is russell and john drop their lives in an instant to join the army i mean it's that simple and that easy just go with it that's what happens and none of it makes any sense in a logistical way or realistic way it just keeps going and there's just kind of goofy shit happens throughout the movie and that's it yeah, go, so a, just go for the ride. There's just too many things to you, you could really and we'll get into some of our issues, but it wouldn't make sense to get super nitpicky about this movie and break you know, point out every single hole because the movie is aware that it's ludicrous. Yes. Between Ivan Reitman and Bill Murray and Harold Ramis and John Candy and the rest of the cast that are high for this entire thing, or it just seems like they were, they don't give a crap. They're just they're just out to entertain and they succeeded. And that's all that matters. Yeah. So it's impossible to file Swiss cheese because it is the whole movie Swiss cheese. So do you have anything for complaints? Yeah. You know, I, I'm just going to right off the bat point out once again, these damn security guards in the 80s movies where where the security at Fort Arnold. I mean, they're nowhere to be found outside of our MPs, Stella and Louise. You know, the men are just getting off the premises at any time, it seems. We know they went out the night before graduation. Then, of course, John and Russell steal the EM-50 off the base there in Italy yeah. uh, without issue. And then, of course, we get our Russian border guards, uh, the guards, the border guards at the Czechoslovakian border, yes. who just keep getting the crap beat out of them and <laughs> their station gets blown up. And, uh, of course they're made to look quite ineffectual. So it's just like an ongoing thing uh, with these port, these damn security guards, or in this case, like border guards uh, in eighties movies that are completely inept at all times. Also uh, I have two questions for you, Bill. One outside of teaching basic English and being John's best friend, what is Russell's backstory? Question two, do we care or need to know? I mean, we don't know anything about Russell Harold Travis's character. We don't know anything about no, that. No, because he has his steady job. Yeah. 
But yet he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll just join the army, too. I'm like, girlfriend, family, what? What are you doing? Oh, no, it's great because we have no idea who this guy is. We get we know he's willing to learn. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All we get is Bill Murray's story because we spent a lot of time with him in the beginning. And then Russell shows up after teaching. He's, you know, got a job to teach basic English. And there's some funny scenes there. Yes. When he's trying to has a classroom of people that don't speak a lick of English. But then he just goes over to John's apartment and they're off to the races. I mean, how is it that John convinces Russell in a matter of minutes to join up, to join the army? Yes, this is a life-changing decision. really is far-fetched and it's hilarious because they're just like, we got to get to it, guys. We got to get to the story here. Yeah. <laughs> and it it is a giant like hole and complaint, but... You don't care because it's like, it's so ridiculous. Like what? They literally pull up in an old beater of a car up to the thing and they get out and the guy's like, Hey, you can't park that here. And Bill Murray's like, we're not parking it. We're abandoning it. Yes. That's a great line. So, so it shows that. Yeah. Russell's and not they going go into to the recruiting off. Yeah, oh yeah. True. True. Russell with that, the POS, the piece of shit car. Yeah. And then they just walk into the recruiting office and that's it. And then the movie goes from there. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> Literally, Bill Murray sitting in the car with Harold Ramis is like, we're going, right? And Harold Ramis pauses for a moment and then is like, oh, tentative. Like, oh, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, you're just going to go join the army? Uh, it's, it's just hilarious. Yeah. I would say for a complaint is, you know, we do get to meet a couple of the other uh, recruits in the platoon and we don't. I have a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. We meet I, Psycho. We don't see that much more Psycho besides his big speech of for touch my stuff. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Cruiser, Ox, Elmo. Yeah. There was definitely a chance to have them shine at right. some point or, or at least give them another joke at some point throughout the film. And um, even the last third, they're just, they all just get like kidnapped and they're all just locked in the room together. So you don't, they don't really, de- there's no character development. They're just used point. as like a general plot device. Yeah. I literally wrote down the same thing because we are introduced to these characters and there's some, they're good actors and they're criminally underused. They each have character traits. Elmo's kind of the druggie and he's kind of a, he's the stoner goofy, you know, and we, we know cruiser cruiser actually gets to do some things in this, that Mm -hmm. poor son of a bitch. He gets, he's the only one that really gets his ass kicked. He actually, uh, is a prisoner oh, for a yeah, minute and gets true. beat up a little bit. Uh, we got Francis, who's like this tough guy. And so they have these, tra- these traits. And it would have been cool if they were thrown into a situation under like emergency circumstances and had to use those traits to overcome and or bond and work together. You see them come together, each using their own unique abilities to come together as a team and work together to save the day. But nope, not at all. No. All we do is get to see uh, John and Russell being goofy. That's interesting. That's a good point, Bill. Uh, so, yeah, but going a little bit back, uh, you know, because I wrote down, how is this movie an hour and 47 minutes long? Either make it shorter and just like a tight, like comedy kind of thing, or make it a little bit longer so you have time for character development within the action at the end and you can really see each of these characters kind of come to fruition, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they're no longer just a lovable loser, but they get up their moment to be heroes. 
Well, but they, they did make it longer, but we'll get into that in fact. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, but yeah, the pacing and structure of the movie is bad shit. Uh, you know, I just was thinking to myself, the, the scene with the old lady in the beginning in the cab is too long. You have the breakup scene between John and his girlfriend, Anita, that's too long. Barely any bonding between John and Russell. We just, even though credit to them, uh, because they were friends, that's being Bill Murray and Harold Ramis before this, you can, they just exude friendship i guess uh so it works um but we're just like oh we're just gonna assume they're best friends all of the stuff at fort arnold for an hour with barely any character development outside of the one conversation where they're all you know they're in the barracks like circled around the bunks and telling their backstory for a little bit but then after that it's all completely abandoned uh as far as like character development Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, go to you know, Italy with a half an hour left in the movie. That's my comment on that. And Reitman, fast forwarding to trivia stuff that he was embarrassed about the last half hour, I guess. But it is what it is, man. It's still it's still fun. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not this is like a half hearted complaint. I'm not saying it's batshit crazy like I hated it. Let's be clear. I'll watch this movie a million times over and watch it all the way through because there's still great moments of comedy in the last half hour. And I think too, now knowing who all those people are and like, even back then we did, they didn't even know what they had. They didn't know how much comedy gold, you know, they, we didn't really know who right. John Hold was or John, you know, we do John Good Kennedy's SCTV, but man, if they knew what they knew now, how much different that movie would be because all, all those characters would have a bit like oh, a real solid bit. So at some point throughout the movie, um, quick complaints, John, in the beginning, when he's driving the, I guess she's credited as the dowager and cab, mm-hmm. the old lady, uh, he says to her that he's a photographer and he takes some pictures of her while he's driving at the same time. She's not uh, pleased by that. When he ditches the cab on the, the bridge, he just leaves his camera in the car. Yeah, uh, probably. It's like, oh, man, you, you know, you're a yeah, photographer. That's a nice, you that's left, a nice you, camera. You left your, your photographer. You left it in the cab. Why did you do that? Yeah. Small, that's a nitpicky complaint. That's okay. All right, so should we move on? Because like I said, the whole movie Swiss cheese. and Oh, yeah, yeah, we can. All right, so let's move on to, hey, it's that actor. So in this segment, we will spotlight a character actor you have seen in many other films, an actor making their big screen debut, or an actor that makes an uncredited cameo. Who have we not talked about yet, Jason, to make it our, hey, it's that actor. Well, you totally... You stole my thunder, man. As what? We uh, knew this was going to happen, though. So I'm not upset. Okay. But my, my hey, it's that actor was going to be uh, Donald Gibb. Oh, uh, sorry. Because you barely see him. Like, you really barely see him uh, as one of the bouncers at the mud wrestling bar. Uh, you could see, like, they look like Chippendale dancers yeah. just standing in the background. And you just would never see him until, unless you were looking for him. Yeah, no one who works in this establishment outside of Dave Thomas, who's the MC, wears a shirt. Right. <laughs> no one. But as you already said, he's uh, most well-known as Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, he's actually in Meatballs too, Not the first one. Not the first Ivan Reitman-directed uh, Meatballs. Uh, but honestly, I actually love him as Jackson from Bloodsport. Yes. The American fighter that befriends Charlie Ducks, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. And yeah, man, he's he's six foot four. He's a behemoth. 
uh, big dude, great character actor, did a ton of TV after this stuff, uh, after these films, and seems to have stopped after 2011. Uh, but he's still with us, 67 years old, going strong. So shout out to Donald Gibb. I do have a backup, but I'll let you do your Hey, It's That Actor first. Who's your Hey, It's That Actor? Okay, so for me, I know we usually say, you know, making a big stage debut. I'm picking someone who unfortunately was his last movie, and that is Robert J. Wilk, who played General Barnaby. Like I said, it was his last feature. He started out as an extra in many, many films throughout the 30s and 40s. His first big movie was 1952's High Noon with Gary Cooper. Um, In 1960, he starred in The Magnificent Seven and then went on to guest star in so many Westerns. Here we go. Stagecoach West, The Texan, The Tall Man, Maverick, Rawhide, Have Gun Will Travel, Gunsmoke, The Wild Wild West, and Bonanza. He is a true Hollywood character actor. Um, He passed away in 1989 at the age of 74 with over 300 credits to his name. But there's one movie that I saw on his IMDb list that I need to go see, and it's 1973's The Boy Who Cried Werewolf. (laughs) Awesome. Yes, he plays the the sheriff in the movie. And from the trailer, this movie looks fantastic. I can't wait to watch it. Oh, that's great. Robert Wilk is my, hey, it's that actor. Well done. I love it. So I I think he's uncredited, but this is, I'm just going to give a quick shout out to Timothy Busfield is in this. Oh, yes. And there's so many. I mean, yeah, he's uh, like one of the soldiers on the mortar. When the mortar range. Yes. That's yeah, when Captain Stillman, John Larroquette, goes to the range. Larroquette is intimidating this young guy to put the mortar in the thing to fire it off and it ends up hitting Sergeant Hulka. Right. And it explodes. Yeah, because they're doing the rope drill, yeah, outside. And he but climbs a very, very young Timothy Busfield, most famous for thirty something. Yes. With one of our other favorite thirty something. That's right. Oh, <laughs> uh... Hell yeah, man. Children of the corn. Children of the corn. What's this? I can't even. What was the I know, other I, I hoping, name? I was, I was hoping you would get it because I blanked. I was just like, oh, crap. I just said that. The actor from name. Children of the Corn and Side Out. Yes. And 30-something. At least Timothy Busfeld did um, Field of Dreams. But I can't think of anything oh, else God, that he's yeah, done, too. Of course too. he did. I can't believe I didn't. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, he's in Revenge of the Nerds, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Point Dexter. Dexter. Yes. So some more 80s movies. Yeah, Timothy Busfield, huh? Yes. Now it's going to kill me. I got to look up 30-something to find out uh, who are a guy from Children of the Corn, Peter Horton. Yes, Peter Horton. So so that takes us to our facts and trivia. What are some facts and trivia we have for Stripes? Well, you know, according to Ivan Reitman, Bill Murray insisted that Gail uh, Ramis be cast as his friend for two reasons. One, they were longtime friends in real life. And two, that uh, so Ramis could help Murray rewrite his dialogue or help him improvise. I had mentioned that scene when the, the guys are gathered around in the barracks telling their stories as how they had come to be in the army. Uh, the cast improvised virtually all of the dialogue where they sit around and tell their backstories. This includes uh, Bill Murray's lines about, he looks over to the guy next to him, I guess his name is, the character's name is Lee Harvey. And he tells the story about 
Who's he that told cow. that story about making it with a cow. And then he calls Sergeant Holka the big toe yes. of the company, basically. And you can tell when you're watching it, you can just tell he's improv. Oh, he's just totally riffing. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. And he's great. It's really funny. Yeah. As Jason was saying earlier, this movie was hour and 47 minutes and could we have gone longer or maybe shorter? Uh, when it was released on DVD, they had a special edition DVD where they added 18 minutes to the movie. Um, and some of the scenes they did, they did an extended scene at the apartment. And it was more of, you know, Winger really trying to convince himself that the army is the, the way to go. And Russell's kind of like, ah, I don't think you want to do this. But Winger's assessing his life like, no, this is what I got to do. Um, I'm not going anywhere. Um, there's another scene at the end of the army montage that i mentioned was one of my favorite scenes that actually continues a little bit where they get back to the barracks and you see russell is basically leaning against his bunk and you just see that he's just oh god this is just this sucks and winger comes up to him and he's like what's the matter man and he turns him around and you literally see russell with a bullet hole through his glasses and it is in such a way where like maybe a bullet could have went through and not hit him and like it first starts off where russell's like this was just an euphoric date for me it totally changed my life and you're thinking like wow he's actually buying into being in the military and he says get me out of here <laughs> so it literally cuts to a scene where somehow Winger and Russell get on this plane, military plane, and they're just going to go wherever the plane takes them. And you find out that Russell has an aversion to flying. So he's taking these pills. And he's like, where'd you get those pills from? From El-. He said, uh, it's Dramamine. I got them from Elmo. And he's like, that's not Dramamine. That's LSD. So now he's hopped up on LSD. This military troop comes in, like paratrooper troop comes in, and they're like, what are you doing on this plane? And Winger fakes that he's a major, and he's, of course, on a top secret mission. So the plane takes off, and the plane goes to Columbia, and everyone starts jumping off the plane, and they literally push Winger and Russell off the plane, too. And now they're in the middle of Columbia, and they don't know what the hell they're going to do. And they're, of course, trying to find their way around, and then they run into a bunch of, like, gorillas like military gorillas and they kidnap them and then they're going to kill them. But then they spike their food with the LSD and winger starts like this whole little dance number with them. And then everyone starts Jesus. dancing and they run off and they just happen to run back into the plane with the troops and then take off and go back to Fort Arnold. It's so bizarre. It's such a bizarre scene. Wow. It makes no sense. That's like, amazing. And if you look at the research, like Columbia, it's kind of, it's funny, but it just doesn't fit. And Columbia wanted them to keep the scene in, but it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. And then there's like an extended scene where after they get, no, oh yeah. After Hulka goes through the whole thing where he gets blown up, Stillman's like dressing them all down. It's like, well, you have three days left until graduation. You're not going to graduate. Stillman says something to the effect of, you know, the reports came in. And um, it's no one's fault. And it's really Stillman's fault because Stillman's the one that made them shoot the mortar. But mm-hmm. he's, he's something that gets Scott clear. And Winger kind of calls him out on it. And Stillman, of course, does this, you know, frequently. Who said that? What are you talking about? All right. Not necessary. There's an extended scene when Winger and Russell go to Germany. And 
they spend time in the hotel with the ladies. Right. I read something about that. Yeah. Right. And they end up using some of that scene instead at the, it's supposed to be act as if it's the general's house. Right. So they, one of they, the bedrooms, yeah. but it's, yeah, that was actually shot for a different scene. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's just, a bit, yeah, they added 18 minutes, but yeah, it's all still winger and uh, Russell focus. So, right. And unfortunately does not, help our complaint where they, they try to develop the other characters. They unfortunately don't, but if right. you get your hands on it, I think you find the stuff on YouTube. So you, you can check it out. Very cool. Thanks for the breakdown, man. Mm-hmm. This was a well-known piece of trivia. So you may have heard this one before, according to Ivan Reitman in the DVD commentary during the scene, when the recruits received their basic training, basic training haircuts, he did not tell the actors that real army barbers would be shaving their heads until the scene was shot. So he lined all the actors up and shot the scene as scripted to get their genuine reactions to their heads being shaved. Uh, So supposedly John Candy became depressed after the scene was shot. That's why you see him picking up his hair and looking sad when he walks out of the barber shop. But But it looks good. Oh yeah, absolutely. But uh, even though it kind of inspires uh, the... Hare Krishna. Yes. Hare Krishna. <laughs> I, it's funny because as a kid, I had no idea what that meant. Right. It's like, why is he getting upset? He's doing Hare And then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but since Bill Murray and Harold Ramis were bigger names at that point than the rest of the cast, they were required to cut their hair shorter, but not to shave their entire head. Yeah. There's definitely different degrees with some of the actors about how their hair is cut. Yeah. No doubt. I guess Bill Murray and Sean Young did not get along. I saw that too. I find that yeah. hard to believe. Uh, because Sean Young did not care for Murray's improv method, his ad-libbing. So that's why I kind of find that weird. I'm like, this is one of your first films, and then you're complaining about the star of the movie improving. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know she's had some stories, some stories. about her. Yeah, there's yeah. some stories, but I I would think when you're starting out, I don't know if you'd go that route. Right. Who knows? But uh I mentioned earlier that everybody seems like they're high in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the film was originally conceived as a vehicle for Cheech and Chong. So Ivan Reitman has also stated that the reason that it fell through was because Cheech and Chong's manager, I guess, insisted on a 25% share of Reitman's next five films, which he will, wasn't willing to give up. So the script was rewritten for Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. I know that's crazy. I mean, they were huge back then. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I heard the same story, too. And yeah, she never even saw the script. So they don't even know it. Their manager screwed him out of it. Yeah, yeah, unaware. In the dark, yeah. Uh, So most, I guess, most of the stoner humor was shifted to the Elmo character played by Judge Reinhold. Um, So the big scene between uh, Winger and Sergeant Hulka in the latrine. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, they wanted to include that in the script to show that there was some eventual payoff between the two characters. I don't think it was in the initial script. Columbia Pictures actually didn't want it in there because they thought it was too serious. But Murray and, and Reitman felt like it would need to be in there. And then the punch that Warren Oates hits Bill Murray with is an actual punch. He did hit him. Bill Murray wanted it so he can get a, a, a realistic reaction. Uh, luckily, he did hit him enough to where it hurt him, but it got the reaction out of him that he needed it to make the scene seem as authentic as possible. This film does contain four members of SCTV. Yes. You got Dave Thomas, Harold Ramis, John Candy, and Joe Flaherty, who played one of the border guards. Yep. All are alumni of Second City, along with Bill Murray. 
So the song Dua Diddy Diddy yeah. uh, was originally recorded in the U.S. by the Exciters in uh, 1963 during the British invasion. And then it was covered by Manfred Mann and rose to number one on the U.S. charts in July of 1964 and has since then become a popular cadence song in the U.S. military. Not surprised. Good stuff, man. All right, so let's move on to box office. So Stripes was released on June 26, 1981. On an estimated budget of $10 million, it grossed $85.3 million. Domestically, it debuted at number five at the box office, but the movie had some legs, staying in the top five for 13 weeks. It peaked twice at number two, once on July 17th, and then again on August 14th. Moving on to reviews, when growing up in the early 80s, we loved catching sneak previews with Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert to hear their reviews and watch clips from upcoming movies. Their review of The Stripes was unanimous. Two thumbs up. Gene enjoyed the comic attitude that Bill Murray betrayed in the movie in which he puts on people who tend to take things way too seriously. Roger enjoyed the big laughs throughout the film and the improvisational skills of all the actors who still brought dramatic impact to their scenes. So they did like it and found it very funny. So that takes us to additional thoughts and questions. What are some additional thoughts and questions we have on Stripes? Uh, I just had one additional thought or just one addition. And that is, uh, we know that Bill Murray and Harold Ramis were best of friends uh, for quite some time. And obviously had great chemistry and worked very well together. Uh, But uh, it is well known and documented that they uh, had a rift um, and a parting of ways of sorts, uh, creative differences, personal differences, uh, uh, which came to a head during the filming of 1993's Groundhog Day, which Ramis directed. uh, And they didn't talk for about 20 years after that. I know, uh, it's a comedy is, classic, and you're yeah. like, what the hell really happened? Yeah, uh, well, you can read about it. Right, yeah, um, of course. But uh, the long story short is that Bill Murray was going through a really tough time personally in his life during the filming and uh, wasn't the most professional on set, and Harold Ramis uh, took some issue with that and actually put his hands on him at one point, which didn't go over well with Bill Murray, of course. And then um, they didn't talk for some time after that. Uh, They both took it personally. Uh, But Murray did visit him, that being Harold Ramis, just before uh, Harold's death in 2014. Bittersweet, but um, I guess they reconciled uh, in time before uh, Harold Ramis passed away. So uh, you can look that up. You can find that. Uh, more on that, but uh, somewhat well-known, mm-hmm. just in general. Uh, but I do have some questions, okay. uh, some some basics here. We've got to, you know, it's kind of like, questions, what is, questions, what's, questions, the, what's the best? What's your favorite? What's the best war comedy or basic training comedy uh, or military comedy, Bill Bant? We've got these contenders. We've got okay. Private Benjamin, mm-hmm. Major Payne, Damon Wayans. Okay. Hot Shots, one of my personal favorites. Uh, Good old Chuck Sheen. I don't know if Good Morning Vietnam counts. It's a tough one. Yeah, because they're already in the military at that point. There's no like training. Yeah, it's a comedy, but 
uh biloxi blues uh, that's a yeah nice tropic one. thunder it's a comedy it's not really yeah military uh dr strange love there's a military comedy for you oh yeah well stanley kubrick how about renaissance man danny devito devito yep you know here's one that i actually find amusing it's silly but down periscope I, I do like that movie too. Okay, thank you. It's well because it's a submarine movie. Kelsey so Grammer, right there. Yeah, yeah, that was one of those. I'm like, oh my god, it's going to be horrible, and I actually liked it. Yeah, I can't think of. I'll think of Harold. Oh, what's his, the comedian's name? He's one of my favorites. He's so goofy, but he impersonates a whale. He does the whale noises in it. To oh, in the sonar, I got to come up with his name. I think Down Periscope is amusing. Yes. Anyway, uh, in the army now. I was gonna say, is that Polly Shore? Yeah. So those are some. Uh, I would go military uh, comedies. Yeah, Doctor Strangelove. Right. And Stripes second. Yeah, I think I'm gonna agree with you, Doctor Strangelove, which I need to see again. I haven't seen that forever. I think I watched that with my dad a long, long time ago. Down speak. Uh, Harlan Williams is the comedian I was thinking of. For oh, Down yes. Periscope. Love yes, that I comedian. You're talking about. Yes. I love him. He's kind of got that lanky. Yeah, he's got a really, he's very character, goofy thing. Yes. He's got a goofy thing going on. Um, very random, non sequitur type of comedy. Uh, but yeah, good call. I think Strange Love. You know, I have never seen Private Benjamin. That's a pretty well respected, actually, uh, Goldie Hawn vehicle. It's, you'll be surprised how much it kind of mirrors stripes. Yeah. Where it's strong, the first. Until until they finish training, and then it just kind of falls off a cliff. Real quick question, because we keep talking about the potential of some of these characters in this movie. If there was more that, if there was one character in Stripes that you wanted to know more about, which character would it be? Yeah, um, it's funny because they did focus the most on Ox out of all of them, and he does have a character trait, like they that plays yeah. into some, like his aggression. He actually does use it to the benefit of the group, right? Uh, in the action uh, toward the end, but. I'd like to see what they could have done with Psycho. Uh, that's that was my choice, Francis. Yeah, Psycho. Yeah, because he just does a speech and then the bayonet, and then you don't really see him again. Because he just kind of comes off as a real killer. Mm-hmm. But does he have maybe a soft sweet spot? Yeah, I don't know. I agree with that. Maybe do a little spinoff on one of these characters. Anyway, uh, yeah. So last but not least, of course, the most obvious question is. Uh, you can either it'd be too time consuming to rank them, but your favorite Ivan Reitman film. This oh, is Ghost- easy for you. Yeah, it's Ghostbusters. I've probably seen Ghostbusters more than all the other Ivan Reitman movies combined. I need to see Dave again. Oh, Dave's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't seen that in a long time. That'd be a good rewatch. But Ghostbusters, iconic for sure. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, man. Did you have any other additional thoughts or questions? Well, my question was kind of similar to yours with the movies because I was like, what's your favorite movie centering on military cadet training? And here's your choices. You have, okay. tap, yep. you have Taps, Stripes, Private Benjamin, which you know is out because you haven't seen it, Up the Academy, The Lords of Discipline, An Officer and a Gentleman, Biloxi Blues, Heartbreak Ridge, and Full Metal Jacket. Those are my choices? Yes. I'm going to go Officer and Gentleman. Okay. That one still has, just because of the performances, Louis Gossett Jr., uh, Richard Gere, I can't remind me of the, uh, 
actress's name. Oh my gosh. Deborah Winger. Thank you. Uh, beautiful, wonderful. Um, it's, yeah, that's, that was my introduction to is like, that's the drill sergeant. Like that's the, the iconic performance. You could make an argument for full metal jacket as well, but um, I, you know, this was one of the earlier films. I think it, isn't that sun up where we belong? Isn't that yeah. from yeah, Officer Gentleman? That song I remember when they get into the ring, when they decide to fight each other, Richard mm-hmm. Gere and Louis Gossett Jr. Speaking of nut shots, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. That that iconic moment when Richard Gere is just like completely, he's sobbing and he's exasperated because Louis Gossett Jr. is basically telling me, you're out, you're out, you're done. And <laughs> Richard Gere is like, I got nowhere else to go. Yep. And uh, yeah, then it's brutal at the end. Like what happens to his friend? Anyway, it's just uh, yeah, a lot, a lot. I don't know. I have a lot of memories from that movie. It's a good one, Officer and a Gentleman. Great title. I'd, I'd go Full Metal Jacket myself. I go. Yeah, love the first half. I I like the whole thing. I know everyone kind of kills the second it's half. Okay, Bill. I'd like it too. Own it, man. It's all right. I mean, speaking of Kubrick again, huh? Yeah, there we go. That's true. Kubrick the military. I guess. Yeah, I guess it does something for me. all right so uh yeah let's move on to recommendations do we recommend stripes to our audience One hundred thousand percent do i recommend this film it's a 80s classic right from the beginning of the decade 1981 absolutely uh it's a throwback there's so many 80s things about the movie the style of the dress the the vernacular the the haircuts the just the style of filmmaking to see these, this great cast uh, that's young and vibrant and just the chemistry working off one of another. This is one of those movies where you just sit around with your buddies and say, you know, do you remember that part? Or that part was hilarious. Or you quote this or that. Remember this moment in the movie. Uh, it's just goofy. It's funny. And it works because it makes you feel good. You just want to see what Bill Murray's going to do, what comes out of his mouth next how he and Ramus and Candy feed off of one another. Like I said, um, uh, you, you throw in these attractive girls who aren't just attractive. They're talented actresses too. Sean Young and PJ Souls hold their own in this movie. They're great. I mean, it's got everything you need for lighthearted, feel-good comedy at the end of the day. It is a buddy comedy. And a credit to Ivan Reitman. This is uh, in his top two or three, probably. And... We like seeing friends have fun. And Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, uh, they just make it work. So I recommend it wholeheartedly. There we go. I'll make mine really brief. Do I recommend this movie? That's a fact, Jack. Nailed it. There we go. All right. So I think that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we'll be discussing the 1981 fantasy adventure, Clash of the Titans. Starring Harry Hamlin, Burgess Meredith, and Jody Oker. As always, please subscribe, give us a review, and rate us. You can email us at all80smoviespodcast at gmail.com. Please send us your feedback, questions, or recipes to share. You can follow us on Facebook, Meta, whatever the hell it's called, at all80smoviespodcast, or tweet us at podcastall80s. And until then, have a totally great week, everyone. Thanks for staying up with us. Good night, world.
Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.